Before we get started, we wanted to tell you about NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offering exclusive content Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there will be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Chenea Gumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelbourne, and many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcast. Also, check out Bald Men on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Bald Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. Ryan, I saw you looking good this morning on First Take, my brother. And guess who else looked good? Jamal Hill. But before we get to Jamal Hill, let me tell you what we got on this show. Right? Angela Hill is going to stop by. And then my friend, my buddy, my brother, the number one lightweight in the world, Islam Makashev, stops by to speak to DC and RC and RC. I mean... The guy has told me personally, you know, you understand who he is. I do. I do. I do understand who he is, DC, but I am not ready for this love fest <laughs> you are about to have. It's going to be cool to have Islam on the show. We have Angela Hill joining us as well. But, bro, we got to get back to this fight from this weekend. Yeah. We were expecting explosive striking from these mm -hmm. two men. But, DC, you got to explain it to me. It's 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 very like when usually when I see a guy get knocked out, I go, oh, I can see why that punch had the effect it did. The Jamal Hill punch almost looked like it grazed Johnny Walker, but I've also never seen a man get hit, bend up, then straighten all the way up after yes, getting hit. Please good. explain to me how something mm. like that happens, and was that what you were expecting? You know, you don't know what to expect with Johnny Walker, right? But um, a lot of times, and in the beginning of his career, he was the most exciting guy. He was finishing everybody so fast. Um, but when you get to him and Jamal Hill, you knew it would be a good fight. You didn't know what the fight would look like. Now, okay. the reason that happens, Ryan, is because the all, all the functions are turned off, right? So you get hit on the side of the head. You get hit in the temple. Everything goes out of whack. So your body starts to do things, and you've completely lost control of it. And I think that's what happened. And it's also not seeing the strike coming. When you can anticipate, you can clench, you can turn your head, you can roll a little bit, you mm -hmm. can tip your head. You can do things to kind of take a little bit off of those shots. But if you don't see them, if they hit you when you aren't expecting it, that's when you go out completely or you do the chicken dance. I know you've seen a few dudes do the chicken dance. <laughs> hey, you do the legs get wobbly like this? <laughs> yes. When you start doing the chicken dance, bro, you start reaching for more like zombies. When you start zombie the chicken dance, it's a problem. And that's that's whenever your functions are all out of whack, when you get hit on the temple, hit on the side of the head, maybe one strays far to the back, hits you behind the head. You've been hit behind – I'm sure you've been hit behind the head in football. Where when yeah, you get I, up, you're kind of like – you've oh, been out, yeah. Yes, that's what happened, what I think happened to Johnny Walker uh, on Saturday. He got caught with one that he didn't see, caught in a good spot, and everything went crazy. You know, it looked it looked to me, D.C., and, and you have a better eye for these things, that Johnny Walker wanted to be more active in this fight than he was against Tiago Santos. Yep. It seemed like he had a, a mindset of, okay, I'm going to take the fight to Jamal Hill. And even in some of those situations or in some – of those exchanges, I watched Jamal Hill back up a little bit and gather himself. Do you think Johnny Walker's aggression played against him at all, fighting a guy that has such power in his hands like Jamal Hill? It's very deceptive power too, Jamal Hill, right? Because he's tall. Generally, yeah. those really powerful guys are like short and kind of stocky, like mm -hmm. Rumble Johnson. Rumble yes. Johnson looks like he has a lot of power. So when he was right, knocking everybody out, it was no, yeah, it was no surprise. <laughs> right. With Jamal Hill, he's kind of tall, skinny, plays basketball. Every fight week, Ryan, I see him on the basketball court playing basketball with his team. Mm -hmm. But he hits as hard as anybody I've seen at 205 in a long time. 
Johnny Walker had to be more aggressive because he fought that fight against Santos and lost and was almost comfortable in losing. But yes. I think that it was not only Johnny, I think it was Coach Kavanaugh. They mm-hmm. went back to SBG Ireland and built a game plan to try to give him a chance. Now, when you give yourself a chance at times, you got to die with the sword. And I think right. he lived by it and he died by it. And um, that aggressiveness did cost him because you don't know when you're in there with Jamal Hill, uh, the dangers, because again, like I said, it's deceptive. He doesn't look like he's going to shut your lights out, but he right. has all that power that does it time and time again. And I do believe also it's in the opponent. Like I said, with Derek Lewis, RC, Derek Lewis was more confident against Ty because it was the opponent. Ultimately, mm-hmm. He got knocked out, and I think that when Tiago San, uh, sorry, when Johnny Walker saw Jamal Hill opposed uh-huh. to Tiago Santos as his opponent, he was more. Oh, this is the type of kid I can put out, and right. ultimately it cost him. And so now looking at, because listen, Johnny Walker was the guy, especially early on in his career, mm-hmm. that many people thought could challenge for a championship belt. Yeah, and now with the way that Jamal Hill has won, especially the last two fights, the type of explosion we've seen from his hands, what do you think the next step for him is? And can we eventually see him with an opportunity to contend? You know, I think it has to be the right step because we have seen him go before where he's beat one, 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 taking a big jump. And then he got taken back. I'm not sure. Might've been Glover to share that beat Jamal Hill. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. And you also remember the arm injury as well. The he arm injury, got arm it, injury. No, you know, it was a, uh, it was a uh, Paul Craig broke his arm. Yes. That was, the, yes. that was the fight. Right. So he got a yep. jump when he fought Paul Craig, Paul Craig broke his arm. He went back to work. He started to build. Now he needs to get another Paul Craig type of opponent mm-hmm. would be better prepared for it in order to win the fight because okay. you only get so many chances RC, right? You, you go, you win, win, win. You get a guy with a name. You got to beat that guy. You don't beat that guy. And then you don't beat that guy again. Then you start to fall into that territory of a guy like Derek Lewis. We talked about a couple weeks ago, yeah. guys that are used to elevate people. Jamal's still very young, so he has time. Yeah. But when you're young, you got to take advantage of the opportunities. I'd like to see him in there with a guy somewhere in the, the, the six to 10 range uh, yep. that can elevate him uh, into the top five because light heavyweight for as glamorous as it was, or it's known to be, does have a guy a lot of guys that are up there in age so you want to see younger fighters making their way towards the championship yeah and so with that dc what do we do with someone like johnny walker who was a rising star and everyone was would expect by now yeah be one of those names at the top of the division you know man it's crazy it's so crazy and it just tells you how quickly the game changes i mean he was the man ryan he goes into Madison Square against Corey Anderson, expected to just dominate, and almost, right. I think it was going to get a title shot. Corey knocks him out, and then it's been misstep after misstep ever yeah. since. Um, he's in a weird spot. But, again, he's young. He's exciting. And when you're like that, when you have that type of style, a couple explosive performances, and people forget. that That's the beauty in mixed martial arts. It's a, it's a really... Uh, what have you done for me lately type of fighting uh, sport organization at UFC. Uh, We have seen guys that have long struggled, go home, get worked on, get fixed. I mean, Charles Oliveira, right? People don't even talk about all those losses anymore. Only the opponents because they're trying to hold on to the Charles Oliveira of before. Right. He's a new man and he's a champion and the fans don't talk about it. So I think for Johnny Walker, he has to go back, improve, get better, come back a new Johnny Walker and then try to make his way back towards the championship. Because again, all can be forgiven in, in, in fight sports. It's just the way it Mm is. It's weird. Isn't it weird to you how in mixed martial arts guys can lose, rebuild themselves, ultimately become champions. But in boxing, if you're like a hot prospect and you lose all of a sudden you're irrelevant and nobody cares anymore. It's the most insane thing in the world. Yeah. I, I think, I think the glow wears off in both sports. But I believe that mixed martial arts allows you to build yourself back up to that. And I think, you know, we've seen that time and time again, whether it's Charles Oliveira, uh, Jan, uh, Jan Bohovic, yep. you know, any of these guys. But one Glover. guy who, yeah, Glover, you know, one guy who had a misstep a while ago, but the last nine fights, we've seen nothing but dominance. 
It's your guy, Islam Makachev, the and champ. we got him coming up next. The champ. All right, guys, now. <laughs> you can't even talk when he's on the shut, show? Oh, my god! the front door. All right. All right, guys, now it's time for one round with one half of the main event Saturday. The best lightweight in the world. Listen, I'm going on record. Islam Mahashev now joins DC and RC. Islam, my brother, how you doing? I'm good, sir. Hey, I'm Islam. good sit in the house drinking water, and that's it. Islam, why this guy, my friend Ryan Clark, you see his face? This guy always talk Islam this, Islam that. Why don't why this guy don't believe you be champion, Islam? Please tell me. <laughs> he know because he know this is, but I think you know too, brother. You tell I, him or I tell him always, but this guy, oh, you love Islam. Why does guy act like this? Because, brother, you you have to. You're team captain, brother. Exactly. Thank you so much, <laughs> Islam, for finally but, saying it. But like, he I has to love you. One one thing, he, you didn't come to training last time, like last my training camp, brother. We have to do something, or we're gonna change you, brother. We have new captain. <laughs> we lost his brother. He all day, twenty four seven, in the gym. He's the man. Islam, how you feeling as you get ready to fight Bobby Green on Saturday? It was supposed to be Benil Daryush. Mm -hmm. He got hurt. How excited were you that you got to still fight and that is Bobby Green as the opponent? Uh, I'm so excited for for Saturday. I'm a little bit sad because the Benil like injured. It's it's uh, it's good. I I I really believe we're gonna uh, fight again. Maybe. Next year, maybe this year, I I heard some he he have like very bad injuries. He broke his legs, but Benil one of the best in the world. That's why I really believe we're gonna fight. He broke both of his legs, Islam. Yeah. You said he broke both of his legs. No, no, just one leg. Just one, <laughs> one. one. <laughs> because we we have same same manager. He said he have very bad injuries. Wish him. <laughs> Speed recovery, you know. Yeah. Islam, is it really difficult when you've been preparing for Benil all of this time and now you have to fight a guy like Bobby Green, who's very different in his style? The, does that add difficulty to this fight for you? No. Same. Doesn't matter if they change opponent for me like Friday. Doesn't matter who. Because same plan I have always. And I training hard. All the time. That's why it doesn't matter who is up on. But with Bobby Green, he's got a very different style. Islam, he's very talented. He's slick and he's good on his stand up. But what many people miss is how good of a wrestler Bobby Green is. He's really good at defending takedowns. He has a wrestling background. Who do said? you feel? <laughs> listen, I'm telling you. I'm telling. What do you mean? Who <laughs> said? Who said? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Brother, he have good boxing, and that's it, man. Don't the say. He has, a, he has a wrestling background, Islam. Maybe he watched some wrestling match. And that's <laughs> <the problem. laughs> so, so what you're saying, Islam? I it, wrestled it, all my life. Yeah. He has some so, background. So, <laughs> so you're basically saying it doesn't matter if he has a wrestling background because you're elite at it. You're you're one of the best in the world is that going to be your mindset going into the fight knowing that bobby green is great on his feet is attack him pressure him get him to the ground and hopefully submit him yes i think i'm gonna i hope i'm gonna finish him first round because i know my grappling skills i i know my wrestling skills i'm gonna take him down make him a little bit tired and make him type tap you know this is my goal you know, you were fighting Benil Daryush. Was that? I have to show people my my yeah. level. Yeah. You're supposed to fight Benil Daryush, who's very high level, high ranked. Do you believe that Bobby Green was the first guy that they offered this fight? Because Dan Hooker said that he thinks many people got offered, everyone turned it down, and Bobby Green is just the one that said yes. Yeah, I, I when Ali called me and said. Benil have injured. I tell him, hey, we have RDA. He's he's supposed to fight with Rafael, but he Rafael have some problem with visa. I say hey, he's ready. I think call him, and he say he don't want. I say call Tony, call Gillespie, Michael Chandler, someone. 
and just Bobby. Just Bobby gave me answer. And I think this guy needs some little bit money, that's why. All this guy from top ten, brother, he's they all people talk too much and that's it. Because without rankings we have many good fighters and everybody know very hard to like jump to top fifteen. We have to change all these uh, old people, you know, from top 15. And very soon we're going to change King in 155. Very soon we're going to change this division, brother. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, a guy like DC, he's always rooting you on, man. Always big up in you, telling, telling me that you're the absolute best. Do you think you have an opportunity to be the champion at 155 by the end of this year. Yes, I think so. Okay, I'm I'm gonna beat Bobby. Who is who who have we who we have now for the title fight? They Justin and Oliveira is gonna fight yeah. soon. Who who we have? Like Benil, he injured like maybe five, six years, past five, six months. <laughs> but mm -hmm. the other people who we have there. One fifty. What do you think this is? Yeah, I think Charles I think that you're the, I think honestly I think you're the uncrowned champion in the division. I just didn't know if a win over Bobby Green holds the same merit as a win would have over Benil Daryush. But obviously, you feel as though it's still going to be enough if you can get your hand raised impressively this weekend. You know, I really believe because I'm deserved. This is going to be ten fight win streak, and I think ten fight. This is like key for the title fight. That's why it doesn't matter who. I I never ask for somebody like from rank. I just ask all the time from someone from rankings. They give me all these people. I smash all them, all of them. That's why I just did my job, you know. Yeah. I have to beat this guy. I have three fight. Last three fight, I all I'm finish all my opponents. Mm. And next, Bobby Green. And after, it's going to be a good match in Abu Dhabi, I think. My man, Islam, hey, thank you for taking some time. Get eight liters into you today so you can get the <laughs> weight off and make weight this weekend for the fight. And I can't wait to see you compete, my friend. Go and kick some butt. Thank you. See you, Thank you so much for seeing us. You're the man, Islam. Ryan, listen, Islam is a very talented mixed martial arts, but there's so much more to him. Obviously, he's a fantastic wrestler. He's got phenomenal striking. He just doesn't have to show it. But in Bobby Green, he has a matchup in, with a guy that, honestly, RC is going to just fight him. Yeah. And Bobby Green ain't afraid of nobody. So if anybody's going to step up to this challenge, this scary person, it'll be King Bobby Green. Listen, Bobby Green, one, has has my utmost respect just in, in reading up on what he has to do just to cut weight uh, for this fight. It seems to me, as an outsider, that's very difficult. You know, to, to be in a position where you're 190, 195 and then have to get down for a fight with a guy like Islam. It's not like he's going to be stepping into the octagon with some slap. This guy is mm -hmm. top five. Many people believe couldn't could be the next champion in his weight class. And Bobby Green is stepping in there after just finishing a fight. But I listened to you talk to Islam and you spoke a little bit about Bobby Green's style. Um, mm -hmm. Also, the skill level. Do you think this will be a tough matchup for Islam, or is it like many of the other fight where he just kind of imposes his will on his opponent and, and fights the fight on his terms? You know what's crazy, Ryan? Like, when I think about Islam Makashev and his fight against Bobby Green, I think about two things. One, the, the style obviously would be an issue for Bobby because of the wrestling. But... Because the fight is contested at 160, I believe, now mm -hmm. Islam doesn't have to pull those the last weight. five pounds off. That is usually where he struggles the most with the weight cut. So he'll feel a little bit more refreshed. The moment that he was, uh, the fight was announced, I'm talking to Habib, and Habib texts me and goes, brother, five extra pounds, this is crazy. Like, everybody knows one extra pound, you know how good you feel when you don't have to suck that last bit of weight off. So mm -hmm. I imagine that he'll be stronger Going into the octagon on Saturday, he'll feel more refreshed going into the octagon on Saturday. And when you just look at the matchup style-wise, it seems as though it's a difficult fight for 
uh, Bobby Green. But as yes. Bobby has shown on so many occasions, it don't matter. Like, you know, when he fought for Zeev, he lost, right? But mm -hmm. it was an absolute barn burner. He goes and he starts his outlier Quinta in New York yep. City on Al's home turf. Then the fight that he just had in Houston against, uh, I can't remember the kid's name, uh, from Canada. Really talented. What's his name? I said I'd say it, but I'd, I'd mispronounce it. Yeah, but it don't matter. Just say, <laughs> say his name. I don't know. I can't remember the kid's name right now. But um, talented kid, but Bobby just outclassed him. So he shows on so many occasions that he can do so much more than people expect him to do. But look, you heard what Islam said just now when we said Bobby has a background in wrestling. And Bobby was a, a, a high school level wrestler. Islam goes, who said that? And he almost is dismissive of Bobby in that Roman mm -hmm. fight. And if he's dismissive, man, he'll be more confident in attacking his takedowns, which makes him more dangerous. Well, I mean, I mean, even with, with, with being submissive, and we watch what Bobby was able to do against Nasrat in his last fight, right? The, right. The, the, there you go. Hey, that was good, too. That's hey, his name. Oh, hot Paraz. <laughs> Nasrat Hot Paraz. Hey, I wasn't going to try to say the last name, bro. <laughs> and, and, so, and so, like, you see some of those things. You know, I was talking to my one of my best friends yesterday and we were actually speaking about you and I, we were we were watching fights at the time. And I was saying, like, I would never try any of you. You know, if a dude's <laughs> fighting at 125, like I'm not trying to fight Davidson Figueredo. Like, I know I don't have a win. Where is Bobby Green's win against Islam? Where does he find a way to get in? And where do you think he could, I guess, pull the upset? You know, I would love to get a hold of the odds for this fight. Right. Because I think in the odds, we learn a lot. And I know that, I mean, we saw with Juliana Pena, she was plus 800 and she beat Amanda right. Nunes. But very rarely does someone overcome steep odds, especially steep odds in what I expect Bobby Green to be facing. So okay. when I, if, if I am tasked with finding a path to victory for Bobby, it's obviously defend a takedown. You got to defend a takedown first and foremost. You got to be in phenomenal shape. We know yeah. Bobby can fight when he's relaxed because when he's relaxed, he's flowing, right? He, he mm -hmm. kind of rolls his shoulders like Floyd. A lot of the big old-time boxers. Bobby's plus 500, plus 550 right now. Islam's minus 800. The right. last time I was minus 800 was against Dan Henderson. And look at how the fight looked between the two right. of us, right? So it's like you, 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 you got to – you have to take into account what he has in front of him. But it's – Keep the fight standing, but keep the fight contested within boxing range because okay. Islam can kick. Islam can strike with the hands, but he isn't as clean as Bobby Green when it comes to just straight boxing. So he's got to make the fight more of a boxing match if he really wants a chance. The problem with the boxing range, RC, is that when you're in boxing range, you you're in wrestling range. You get taken right? down, so yeah. you're close if you're fighting mm -hmm. with just the hands. So if I had to pick a path, I would say that it would be in the boxing range. Um, but unfortunately, in that boxing range is where Makashev can get to him and use his combat ensemble background wrestling uh, to get him to the ground. Yeah, I think I think everybody was really excited, at least on, on my end. I was excited for the high-end matchup with Benil Dariush, right? Mm -hmm. we, we've seen uh, Benil, especially in his, in his latter fights, in the later fights, really dominate people with his grappling, with his wrestling. And we obviously know what Islam has been, especially throughout this nine fight run, where he really has been dominant in mm -hmm. using his principles and using his style in beating fighters. And so I think everyone was excited about that. Uh, a guy like Bobby Green, this, to me, DC, this was like a, a, a no-lose situation. Yeah. Right? You're, you're coming off of a fight where you dominated. Right. And you dominated in impressive fashion, in explosive fashion, mm -hmm. you know, in between in between rounds, barely breathing hard, hands down the entire time, picking your opponent apart. That's not what anybody is going to expect from this fight, nor would anyone expect him to win. And so whether he makes this fight competitive, whether this goes to a decision or if he wins, I feel like it puts him in a great position for Islam. Does it take a dominant win? For him to have the matchup mm -hmm. with the winner of Oliveira Gaethje? Or does he have to have another fight no matter what to get that opportunity? You know, when you were speaking about Bobby RC, it's house money, right? Anybody that's yes. ever spent any Playing time in Vegas. Money. Anytime yep. you've ever spent time in anybody that's gambled even a little bit. 
the time you make the most is when you're not when you're done using your money and you're just playing against them again with the right. money that you've won. It's easy. It's less stress. Bobby's playing with house money this weekend. He can go out there and in a situation where he's expected to get beat, go out there and be free. The most dangerous fighter is a free fighter. When a fighter's free, when you're free and your back's not against the wall, you can do things that are unimaginable. Bobby has to do an unimaginable thing this weekend if he wants to beat Islam Makhachev, just like we saw with Juliana Pena. And also, I mean, Matt Serra when he beat George St. Pierre going all the way yeah. back in so many big upsets. Now, for Islam, the title shot is was at least going to be guaranteed. Now, I will tell you this, a bit of a, a bit of a, you know inside baseball. Islam wins in dominant fashion, but at times it can take a while for him to get to his destination. And right. that is not always the most exciting and thrilling way to view a guy that you want holding the championship. Now, mm -hmm. Habib had that that um same type of reputation for a long time. And then he started to beat guys a little bit more dominantly. Yeah. And then he fought Conor McGregor. And when he fought Conor McGregor, it elevated him to the next level. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be that guy for Islam that almost makes him shed that label of a guy that has to wear you down over time in order to get to where he's going? I think an explosive performance this weekend, another fight in which he dominates like he did Dan Hooker. One round, yeah. two rounds, exciting from the start. Then I believe he goes to Abu Dhabi, like he said. He's pushing hard for that, right? The, right. the big, the big, the Middle East is massive for these Russian fighters that are Muslim. And mm -hmm. Habib was a massive star over there. And Islam is trying to follow in those footsteps. So I believe that right. if he dominates, he goes into Ramadan uh, uh, later in, in, in the spring into the summer. And then after that, he goes right to Abu Dhabi. And I think he fights the winner uh, for the championship. But I do believe he needs to look impressive on Saturday. Well, I mean, I think we all understand how good of a fighter Islam is. And he's continuing, continuing his rise uh, to get an opportunity to fight for the belt, whether it be Justin Gaethje or Charles Oliveira. And sometimes your love for him could be a little overkill, <laughs> but he is a bad boy. Speaking of overkill, uh, for Black oh, History... Oh, wow, uh, wow, wow, wait, wait. I got to tip my hat. I got to tip my hat. That was good. That was actually... That might be the most impressive thing you've done on the show. That <laughs> Ryan, that literally might be the most impressive thing you've done on the show. Because guys, me? guys, hey, wait, they, they they can't miss this, Ryan. They can't miss what you were doing. Guys, what he was doing, he said that I may be overkill with my love as he's about to introduce Angela Overkill Hill. Ryan, that was good, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, but listen, man, for Black History, all always Black History Month uh, representation. Yes. We got Angela Hill uh, coming up first black female fighter in, in the UFC. I've always been a fan of those old school 70s flicks with Pam Greer in it. Those movies were just inspiring, like having a strong black female role. She's rocking the afro in a lot of her films and I always wanted to embody that. I think I've always been inspired by her presence, seeing her fight scenes, and she's hitting like karate chops and kick. There was a student film that I did, and I played Afro Mama, and it was basically a, a version of that. Ever since then, I got like that taste of just being a badass. Maybe that did spark an interest in MMA, I don't know. <laughs> I think when I'm fighting, I'm still playing a role. My face changes, I get a little more serious, I'm more focused, and I feel like I'm playing a tough guy or a tough girl. I'm playing Pam Greer. I don't think it's hard to get in that mindset when someone's trying to beat your ass, so it's a cool little switch that you have to flip. Well, DC, after you messed up my intro, we now have her on, man. And first of all, Angela, we just want to say thank you. Um, and you did something really cool for uh, Black History um, Always and for Black History Month representing. You got an opportunity to do a shoot. It was like the Foxy Brown inspired uh, shoot. <laughs> and I mean, Foxy Brown, Pam Greer, she was she was groundbreaking. She was someone who was a trailblazer. But you've been the same thing in the UFC. What has that honor been like and responsibility 
that you feel like you have in being the first black woman to compete? Um, it's it's been a roller coaster ride, to say the least. I don't think I realized I was doing that when I was doing it. And I think mm -hmm. that's what happens a lot when people become the first to something. They they're kind of just doing something that they really wanted to do, even though they didn't see anyone who was doing it that looked like them. Mm -hmm. And then someone tells you, oh, hey, you're the first to do this. And you're like, oh, <laughs> no wonder, no wonder right. I'm the only black chick in the gym, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> right. like, it makes you uh, it puts things into perspective, uh, especially when you think about who's watching your career, who's paying mm -hmm. attention to uh, the decisions you make and how you carry yourself. And I've always tried to carry myself in a way that I'd be proud of if my younger self saw me and looked up to yes. me. So. So, yeah, it's been it's been a roller coaster ride, but it's been it's been fun being being that figure and being someone to, uh, I don't know, inspire a little bit. You know, you become inspiration whenever you carry and lead in the way that you've led. But mm -hmm. when you find yourself in these positions like this, Angie, and now as we're in Black History Month, uh, the UFC starts to recognize it and people start to take note. Um, how how gratifying is that for you? Because I know as a guy that is put in those positions a lot of times, it feels good to know that we are inspiring kids uh, from the areas that we grew up in to know yeah. that this is an avenue uh, to be successful and not only in the cage, Angela, but also now behind the microphone as you're doing now. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, I think, I think if anything, it makes me work harder, you know, like in any time I'm studying for something. Oh, you know about that. You know about that <laughs> studying tape. I make sure I study <laughs> tape extra hard um, just because I don't want people to think that I'm a diversity hire. And you yep, get that yep, a lot. Yep, you get yep. you get that critique a lot, usually from people who've never done anything themselves of note. Right. But at the same time, you want to prove them wrong uh, twofold. You want to you want to go the extra mile just to show, hey, I'm good on the mic. That's why they brought me in. It's not because I'm checking a box. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a good fighter. That's why I'm that's why I'm still here. Not because they're checking a box, not because they need diversity in the UFC. They don't like they need me because I'm an exciting fighter and there aren't that yeah. many in the straight division. So I feel like I'm always trying to prove prove something not just to myself but and not just to my fans but to my haters as well i want them to know like hey i'm here for a reason and the fact that i'm black is just inspiring other people who can be here it has nothing to do with the reason i'm here yeah so you know i come from a very different sport than you guys the sport i play is majority black it's actually 70 percent uh black at the professional ranks in the nfl and so it was different from me for me now starting to cover the MMA and starting to cover the UFC with DC, you know, I've received a lot of, of that hate, a lot of, a lot of people saying you don't understand what you're talking about and those different things. And sometimes I'm just like, dang, man, like, I just wish I could do my job. Like, I, I just love yeah. it. Like I enjoy <laughs> watching. I enjoy studying it. Was there ever a time throughout your fighting career that you felt like, you know what? I wish I didn't have to carry the burden of being the first. I wish I didn't have to try to inspire people and that I could just walk into the gym or I could just walk into the octagon and train and fight. For sure. Um, you, and, you know, you never feel that in the gym. I feel like the gym has always been a very accepting place for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but once you get in the limelight and I didn't really feel this until um, until I got onto tough. But that was actually my my quote unquote second MMA fight. So mm -hmm. my entire career in MMA has been in the limelight. So I've gotten that criticism a lot. And mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's it's hard because I've always had eyes on me. And I think anyone who who came into the UFC with less than 10 fights, they feel the same way where it's hard um, that everyone's looking at you. Everyone's critiquing you. Everyone's asking why you're there, why you haven't been cut yet. You know, and and you definitely get a lot more of that hate when 
when you're a person of color because yeah. people like to put that on you like oh hey this is this is affirmative action you know this is why it's bad and mm -hmm. i hate when i hear that because people don't know how hard i work like i right. when people do these memes about like oh be the hardest worker in the gym be the first one to show up last one to leave that's been me since i started fighting you know since i was an amateur i've always been like that even when i didn't think fighting would do anything for me i just enjoyed it so much and i've always been a hard worker at everything that i've done uh, whether i was in uh art school whether i was like you know just drawing caricatures like at six flags like every job that i've done i've done it to the best of my ability and then some so uh so it does hurt when you hear people say stuff like that um as if you didn't work your ass off to be there so um i think if anything in the gym that's why people don't say that because they see you they see how hard mm -hmm. you work like my teammates are always my biggest fans because they want it to work out for me because they see how much I put into the sport and uh you know if anything just going on and, and being happy with my career at the end and and representing myself in a way where my family and friends will be proud of me uh it, it blocks out all that extra noise you know Angie you spoke about hard work and commitment and I understand the work that you put into this thing. Now, the one thing that you do more than anyone is you fight and you fight <laughs> and you fight and you fight. Yeah. And that speaks to the work that you put into the gym. How is it looking in terms of the fight, right? How's the training going? How's everything going? Because now with this new career, uh, it's a balancing act as I dealt oh, with yeah. towards the tail end of my career. Uh, how's everything going as you venture into broadcasting more deeply while still being as active a fighter as we have on the entire UFC roster, because if somebody falls out, they call Angie and then they, you know, Angie's on the card. <laughs> well, it helps. It helps when it's at the end of your career, because you already know a lot, you know, so <laughs> I don't have to practice arm bars, you know, <laughs> like, right. I don't have to be in the gym, like doing get ups. Like, yes, I do for specific fighters, but I already know the basics. So right now I'm, I'm, able to tailor my my training so that everything's very focused so i'm i'm like oh i want to get really good at this one submission or i want to get really good at this this like position in wrestling or this position on the fence i can focus on that and it gives me time to um to also go back to go back home and study and get prepared for something else and a lot of um my studying has actually and you hear this a lot but a lot of my studying has actually improved my fight game because I see these positions that I'm that I'm learning for the first time and I'm like oh they used it this way or oh they used oh. it that way or they took this risk but it worked out and it gives me more confidence in trying new things and thinking outside of the box and making up my own strategies so I, I do really enjoy studying fights for that reason and doing the broadcast side and it's it's cool to see what everyone else reacts to as well on the broadcast side because as fighters you you watch fights in a different way when you're looking at it for as like an entertainment as a form of entertainment as opposed to just looking at it because you're like in the fight and you know what they're doing then you get kind of a different feel it's like when people watch pro wrestling you know like you you want to see the Ryan cool loves stuff. this Ryan loves this pro uh, wrestling I bet you love your hey, pro wrestling some, I don't like it I'm too grown for pro wrestling Ryan is the one that <laughs> likes pro wrestling <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever hey, the, the, the final question the final question I have for you is obviously being a trailblazer and also now moving into doing some of the, the analyst works. Like, what are your plans? How much longer do you plan on fighting? When you're done fighting, do you look to move into, you know, doing the analyst work full time? Or do you have some other dreams in some other place you want to leave your mark? Um, I definitely like to be a coach one day. I, I get joy out of that, out of uh, studying people and figuring stuff out, especially on the striking side. So I definitely like to own a gym. Uh, I always had a dream of having a bar too, because both me and my husband were bartenders before we were fighters. Um, okay. 
So <laughs> I, I want to open like a bar slash gym. Like you can come in, have a drink and then train after you get drunk. I don't know. Or vice versa. <laughs> probably better. <laughs> I don't think training once you're drunk. Should yeah, be not yeah. good. You're going to deal with a lot of injuries and, and lawsuits. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Especially not wrestling. Like, do something a little looser. I don't know, jujitsu. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's it, that's one thing. But also, yeah, the broadcasting thing is something that I really enjoy. I like being a talking head. I like staying in the sport that way. Um, it keeps you young, you know. It mm. keeps you interested, and in it and it keeps you excited about it. Seeing the progression of a uh, fucking break progression of uh, <laughs> of the. Uh, <laughs> Is it? It keeps going right here. Hey, that's so fire. That is so fire. That is hey, God damn it. I don't know how Clay Guida does it, man. But, um, but yeah, I'd love to do all that stuff in the future. Angie, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. We appreciate you taking the time and continue to inspire young women uh, across the world. Uh, black, white, yellow, red. Yes. They all look up to Angela Hill Absolutely. because you are an absolute Ow. savage. Thank you again, Angie. Thank Thanks so for much. having me, man. Same to you guys. Same to you. Thank you. RC, RC, you know what time it is now. It's time to tap in. It's time to tap in. So that beautiful voice, the one that just makes you want to melt in your chair, Corporate Jake, <laughs> let us have it. That voice that makes you want to just melt in your chair. Come on, man, across the airwaves. All right, let's start with DC's good friend, Luke Rockhold. He has made it known that if and when he comes back, he wants it to be against Paulo Costa. So DC, tap in or tap out on Rockhold versus Costa? I, I tap in because it's what he wants. I don't quite understand why he wants that fight so bad. I don't know, you know, I don't know what Luke has seen in Paulo Costa over the course of the last few fights that makes him want that fight so much. Is it a winnable fight? Absolutely. But is there a lot of danger in that fight? Yes. Absolutely. Because we've seen Paulo Costa at his best. And even when we seen him lose his last fight at 205, he still looked pretty good. He was mm -hmm. in the fight. So I don't know what Luke saw in that fight that makes him want it, but absolutely I tap in because I support the guy and I'll support the guy until uh, the wheels fall off. So, yeah, I'm tapping in. Yeah, I tap in. I mean, we were all prepared to watch Luke fight uh, recently. Obviously, he wasn't able to do that. And, you know, Paulo Costa is – has now become one of those dudes for me that's almost like an enigma, right? You know, he he was at the top of the middleweight class. We got to see him fight Israel Adesanya, and it seemed hey, like- Hey, what happened? What happened in that fight? Hey, bro, hey, let me tell you something. This boy is still mad. He's still getting mad because I say, man, you can't fall with your face down like that, dog. Because he's going to jump behind that man. I try to tell him, like, so he's still getting mad at me. Didn't yeah, say he you got know. drunk on wine the night before the fight. Dude made all kinds of mistakes, but- Right, that's what I'm saying. And so, like, kind of since then, though, both inside the octagon and outside, we've seen Paulo Costa's career decline from where he was truly at the height of people wanting to see him fight because he has such an, an exciting and exciting style. And so for me, I'd like to see if he could pull it together against someone <laughs> as experienced and someone who understands the fight game as much as Luke does. And, so I tap and, and, and then, the, like you said, outside the octagon, the, the moment I thought about that, I thought about that hair piece he had got. Yeah, got that toupee. <laughs> Look, Paulo Costa be on some stuff, <laughs> My dog be going through it. My dog be, be going, going through it. through it. <laughs> All right. With Volkanovski and the Korean Zombies set to face off next month in April, there are reports of Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez facing off in the near future. So, RC, tap in or tap out that the winner of Ortega-Yair should be the true number one contender at 145. Wait, I, I may have heard that wrong. I tap out on that. Yeah. Where's Max Holloway? Corporate Jake just making up stuff at this yeah, point. Yeah, Corporate on, Jake, I don't on, know what you're I doing, tap, man. You can't, I tap, Corporate Jake, you can't I tap just jump way out on that. You can't just yeah, jump see, Max Holloway. Yeah, we see both of these dudes in the octagon <laughs> with Max Holloway. Don't get me wrong. The Yair Rodriguez fight was extremely exciting. And I thought he brought some things out of Max Holloway that we hadn't seen. We saw the clinch game from Max Holloway. We saw the takedowns. We saw some of the grappling and wrestling, which we don't normally see from him. And I think that was because of some of the unorthodox striking you get from Yair Rodriguez. And don't forget, Max was teaching Brian Ortega how to fight as they fought. So I don't care who wins this fight. The, the winner is going to have to wait to see what happens in Max vote two, three in order to get their shot. 
You know what's crazy, RC? I was shaking my head like I'm tapping in on that fight. I want to see them fight. <laughs> I'm, like, ah. I'm like, oh, I want to see that one. You know, I want to see them do the fight. I want to see Yair yeah. and Brian. We know it's gonna be fun, but then you know, sometimes you know when the dude get ahead, right? You just like, yo, just stop. Like it's enough. You want, you want right. corporate Jake? Like you beat me four rounds to zero, and then you come back with the with the gut punch in the fifth, and I knock you out. No, I tap out. I tap out of corporate Jake. I'm sorry, my friend. Max Holloway's the number one contender. That's all right. That's all right. All right. Over the weekend, Michigan coach Jawan Howard got into an altercation with Wisconsin coach and went full Diaz, bringing out the Stockton slap. Yeah. Howard Howard was suspended five games. So RC tap Ooh. in or tap in or tap out on the unwritten rules of sport that coaches should never throw hands. Um. It's a tough I tap one. in on it. I tap in on it. I tap in on it that that coaches shouldn't throw hands. Um. I think it's um. And I don't believe that's an unwritten rule, right? It's a written rule in the sense that, you know, if you do that, there are consequences to follow. Now, I do think that combat sports are different. You know, we've seen the Roger Mayweathers, uh, you know, jump in rings and we've seen, you know, uh, Khabib and, and the rest of his the rest of his uh, fight camp, you know, jump in the octagon after Conor McGregor. I think that those things are different. But when you're talking about the I guess four of the five major sports now, when you, you know, you're going basketball and baseball and, you know, you're in, in football, obviously those coach shouldn't lay hands on players nor other coaches. Um, also believe that in Juwan's situation, he should have been suspended, right? He mm-hmm. open hand slapped the coach. He should have been suspended. Um, up until the point where Wisconsin's coach puts his hands on Juwan Howard's chest, I don't believe that there was going to be a physical altercation. I believe there was uh, unsportsmanlike conduct from Juwan Howard. I believe he was upset over things he shouldn't have been because he was still pressing and that coach was calling timeouts because he was continuing to coach and he should have had enough sportsmanship to shake the coach's hand. But he was going to walk around him and move on. The coach, the other Wisconsin's coach stopped him and put his hands in his chest. And I do believe that once you put your hands on me, all bets are off. If you get slapped, if your homeboy gets slapped, if anybody gets slapped, it was started because you put your hands on me. And I also believe some fault has to be on him as well. Uh, you know, five-game suspension, kind of surprising. I thought it would be much longer. I thought the situation, wow. I thought it would warrant much more than, than five games, honestly. Um, just because I know how universities react to these types of situations for the most part. Here's why, you know, I agree with you at the end. Um, you can't touch another man. But we have seen bad coach behavior for so many years. Yeah, We've seen going all the way back to Bobby Knight throwing chairs across the, the court. We have seen uh, people take their team off the floor. We saw John Thompson, the great coach, do that before where they just leave. It, it, yeah. We have seen bad coach behavior before. What we haven't seen is a guy that's still fair, young, and Jawan Howard, still a young coach, get put Former in a situation player. – former player who on the floor, if somebody did that, would react in that same way. Now you got to understand where you are. You got to understand the job that you're doing at the moment. So you should not react in that way, but you don't touch another man. You don't put your hands on another man's chest saying, talk to me because you know what immediately happens when someone tells you, if you and I, Ryan Clark, regardless of what you say, if if a fighter comes up to you and you're walking away and I grab you and go, Hey man, talk to me. You can be like, dude, what the hell? You no immediately, it, it immediately changes and all, like you said, all bets are off. So mm-hmm. I, I it, it, there's, there's fault on both sides. And I, I know Juwan suspended, which he should be, but yep. I wonder what's going to happen on the other side, because again, you cannot touch another man. Never in no situation. I agree. All right, guys, last one. RC, it seems that you are in day two of your new diet. And I know there has been some talk of a diet on the show in the past. So DC <laughs> Tap in or tap out, jumping on RC's diet plan for your upcoming role in Warrior. Tap out, because I'm going to do it. You, I did it my way. Bro, that's the lazy way, bro. You know, hey, you know, you remember that song? Hey, remember the great Bernard Hopkins would come out to the ring at 40-something years old, and he would come out to my way. And everybody was like, man, the, the, the execution, he's got the execution match, and he's coming out to Frank Sinatra. It just doesn't make sense. But what also didn't make sense was that he was in his 40s and still winning middleweight world championships. So for me, 
it doesn't make sense to you, but it makes sense to me that I would do it my way, like the great Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra saying on so many different occasions. I'm I doing think, my way. So, so I tap in on DC intermittent <laughs> fasting with me on DC cutting out sweets and alcoholic <laughs> beverages Ooh. from his diet. Um, you don't drink. Also, you don't drink I do. anything? I do. I do. But we're going to cut it out Monday through Friday, DC. Okay, Saturday, okay, you okay. can do what you want. Mm -hmm. Sunday, you shouldn't mm -hmm. drink because it's the Sabbath. Let's remember it and keep it holy. And okay, so okay, all okay. I'm saying is... DC, but why in Louisiana is Sunday the day that people get the most drunk? That's our people. That's bro, our that's people. We, that's because we backwards as hell. Because <laughs> hey, we know Monday coming and we got to do the rest gotta, of the week and people got to go to work. So yes. Corporate J, I tap in on D.C., Joining my diet and also us documenting it on the show. Sometimes I feel like Lex Luger. You remember Lex Luger when he'd be like, ah, sometimes I like sometimes I look at myself in my shirts and I'm like, man, I kind of look like the total package. Lex Luger. Ah. You kind of you kind of look like Kamala. So, oh, <laughs> so <laughs> I tell you, what you look like. People, if you knew what Ryan's wearing underneath that preacher shirt, you would be like, wow, Jody, you look like Jody from Baby Boy. I cannot believe this guy dresses like that. Ryan, take it off. Take off your shirt, Ryan, please. Come I'm on, not. Show, show him no, what you're wearing I'm underneath not. that shirt. Ryan, I'm and, he, I'm not. and his arm's so big. Who would have thought your arm's big like that? It looked like you've been working out in prison. Doing push-ups. <laughs> Bro, you are ridiculous. So honestly, man, it was a great show. I'm excited you got to come and talk to Islam and say how awesome he was and how amazing he was. It was truly an honor to talk to Angela Hill for me, uh, someone who's a trailblazer. And then obviously continuing to show her excellence, moving in to analyzing the game and just kind of just how personable and welcoming she was and having a conversation with this man yeah. made it feel like it was just three people chopping it up. And that was really dope. But DC, you're getting on my diet. Hey, hey no. Happening. She's no. one of the nicest people that she you've really ever is. met, Angela Hill. Islam is almost like, I, I hope that he goes out and competes the way that he gives because, or that he does, because he seems very confident and hopefully that earns him a championship fight. It's always fun, RC. Every single week I look forward to this and it feels good to be able to see you. But I mean, Come on, man. Show him a little bit. Ryan, take off that shirt. Nah, nah, nah. Ryan, come hey, on, man. Show him a little bit. No, it's Ryan, a, that Ryan, if they take want, it off. Hey, Ryan, if they you really want to get accepted into the game, show him that shirt. Just take yeah. it off, right? That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to take it off. I'm going to wear the shirt when me and Michael Chandler work out together this summer. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, you probably, if you hung upside down like 50 Cent did at the Super Bowl in that shirt that you wear, you would look like 50 Cent back in that video back in 2000 opposed to 50 Cent today. That is absolutely <laughs> hey, ridiculous. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, guys. It is not my birthday, but I still want y'all to go shorty. Tune in oh. to DC and RC next week, man. We appreciate y'all. I'm Ryan. That's Daniel. All love.